This is chapter 12, verses 49 through 56 in Luke. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No. I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two, two against three, they will be divided. Father against son, and son against father. Mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it is going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. But why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of the Lord. Today we're going to talk about fighting. And so, my notes, I thought they would go into a panic. And so I'm going to set, uh, set up a foundation for you guys. We'll go back around 2015, 2016. And I want to show you a clip from Jimmy, uh, some late night show. Jimmy Farrell? Farrell? Fallon? Okay. Hey, you know I'm really a TV person. And I want to show this clip. This clip is from 2016. It was right after the Democrat convention and the Republican convention. Because I need to set out the foundation for the message. Watch this. You know, as we've seen, attendees at both conventions become very passionate when speaking about the other side. So we decided to uh, conduct an examination of this. We went to the RNC last week and the DNC this week to ask Republicans for their thoughts on Democrats and Democrats for their thoughts on Republicans. And this is what they shared. Describe Democrats. Uh, gun control. Handouts. Debt. What else? You want more? <laughs> Just a general disdain for God and country, in my opinion. Most of them want to give everything away. Maybe brainwashed? I can't describe all Democrats, but it's my um, learned opinion that the Democrat Party is a crime syndicate, not a real political party. What are Republicans like? People that don't have a clue. Close-minded. <laughs> Stuffy. They're mean. In some sense, they, some of them are racist. I've yet to meet a racist Republican where I, where I live or with the people I work with, with the party, or a homophobic Republican. Tell us your name, young lady. I'm Doris Arnold from Jackson, Tennessee. Jackson, Tennessee. Uh-huh. I'll tell you something, you're the only 10 I see. I'm the only what? <laughs> 10 I see. Oh, okay. <laughs> What are the worst things about Democrats? Well, they just believe in all the wrong things. Like? Well, you know, you can marry anybody you want, 
and uh, it doesn't matter if it's another man or another woman or anything, and that's just against God's words, you know. And uh, pretty soon, I think they'll be there. I know I have so many friends that are love their dogs, and I think pretty soon they're gonna be trying to marry their dogs. Do you have an impression of Democrats complaining about the issues? Oh, they whine. Oh, Trump said this, and Trump said that. Do an impression of a Republican talking about the issues. It's my way or the highway. I'm right, you're wrong. I am for law and order. Could you please pass me my Rolex watches? It's going to be huge. When you tie damsels to train tracks, why do you leave before the train comes and they get a chance to get away? Well, it kind of lends the air of mystery about the whole thing, you know? Can you complete this sentence? Uh, I wish Republicans would stop blank and start blank. Uh, I wish Republicans would stop blaming the poor and start blaming the rich. Uh, I wish they would stop trying to give everything away and start watching their pennies. <laughs> Let me ask you, is that all mustache or is some of that coming out of the nose? <laughs> <laughs> no, that should be all mustache. I know uh, I got that walrus thing going on there. That might not be mustache. Uh -oh, uh -oh. <laughs> if you think about it, like a sailboat, the winds will blow the sail. The Republicans are more the rudder. They're going to steer it over the course and go in the direction that you need to go to to get the objective rather than blowing with the prevailing winds. So which one blows more, the Republicans <laughs> or the Democrats? Well, the Democrats. Would you say one nice thing about Republicans for us? Yes. They did not start World War II. <laughs> say one nice thing about Democrats. Soon they'll be gone. Where are they going? Do I have to answer that? <laughs> They're going in November. They'll be gone. No more Democrats. Yay! You know, I believe every human being is a good human being. They are good at heart. Uh, Even Donald Trump? Uh, no, not him. <laughs> I am Jimmy Kimmel. If you enjoyed the video... Okay. Now, the reason I'm showing you this is, is pretty much kind of a balance here. There's a word for this. It's called ad hominem. And the thing is, what happens here is if you look at the definition of this word, and I want you to follow on the screen, because we see this within marriages, we see this within politics, we see this even within the church. Now, the definition here is that a homonym attack is a false argument of strategy whereby a genuine discussion of the topic at hand is avoided by instead attacking the character motives, or other attributes of the person making the argument, or persons associated with the argument, rather than attacking the substance of the argument itself. And so when you look at this, we can see that basically the interpretation is, if I have something, an issue with you, and I, instead of arguing about the issue or having a discussion about the issue, I would go for a personal attack. And I would try to destroy your character of who you are. Now, where I've learned this is in junior high. Because we do this all the time when somebody, when we're losing, a, when we're not talking about a certain subject or a certain issue, then in junior high, what we do is we, we start saying, your mama did this. Your mama jokes here. You know how we do this in junior high? And we make it into a personal attack. And so what happens when we attack the person rather than the issue or the problem, it's really hard to recover from that, isn't it? 
Now, I do a lot of pre- and post-marital counseling, and when I do pre- and post-marital counseling, I'm very optimistic when I do it. Because I always say this, what is the issue? And if the issue is finances, like, look, we are spending a lot more money than we're taking in. And if we continue to do this, we're going to have some major problems. And so, therefore, it's very easy to balance and deal with it when you deal with it as an issue. But when in a marriage, when it gets in a personal thing, like she just thinks of herself, she spends money on herself, or he spends money on herself, or he does this on his toys, and we get into personal, it's hard to recover from that. Because you can remember in a marriage or in a relationship, when it gets personal, instead of leaving the issues, then that sticks with us for a long, long time. I've always asked people, it was a couple years ago, that they were getting pretty violent with each other. And I said, what's the issue? How, what started this? And it started with the difference between crushed ice in a cup and ice cubes in a cup. That was the issue. And I went, seriously, because there's a lot of resentment, a lot of bitterness, because you guys went personal on each other years ago, that this why it got so big. And now you can't deal with the issue because you have so much resentment and bitterness towards each other. And so when the damage is done, we have what's called a toxic relationship. Or when we see in the United States, a toxic, uh, toxic politics. And so we go to a personal attack. And if you look at this 2015, 2016, because I want to set, uh, set the tone here on, on what's going on. If you look in 2016, the Democrat convention and the Republican convention, both leaders went to personal attacks because they're told it works. And so when we go to personal attacks, what happens within a marriage or within a family, within a church, we don't work on the issues anymore. And even in politics, we don't work on the issues anymore because it, it, it goes. So let me balance both Democrat and Republicans. Now, during the, 2016, the head of the, the, um, the leader of the Democrat convention said this. She just said, just be grossly generalistic. You can put half of Trump supporters into a basket of deplorables, right? They're racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, and you name it. So for me, I'm trying to Google all these words going, what is this, what is this, what is this? You know, when someone calls you a name and I go, I don't even know if that's a compliment or what. <laughs> what are you calling me? And so you look at this and go, oh, why? You see the personal attack. It's not just an individual attack, but it's a personal attack against a group of people. And we got to be very careful on doing that. So if we go to the Republican side, it said this in 2016. When Mexicans send its people, they're not sending the best. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have a lot of problems. They're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're, bringing, they're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. So what happens is this is, what, three years ago? We will see these constantly on the news, these quotes, to remind you of the personal attacks. And so what happens, we have a government, we have families, we have churches that cannot deal with the issues and won't deal with the issues because they're so tied up into personal attacks. 
And so sadly, if you look at this, I want to show you a statistic from 2010. Ford's, uh, 2010. If you notice, hate crimes started going on the decline in 2011. And so they kind of plateaued 2012, 2013, and they went up a little in 2014. But 2015 to 2018, they've been systematically rising, hate crimes. And because personal attacks. And so at the statistics, if you read articles, that they're predicting 2019 will be much higher in 2018, and they're predicting 2020 will be the height of all heights during the election year, where hate crimes will go, will go up. And so this is how do we respond as Christians? How do I respond as a pastor of this church? Do we get into this personal attack, or do we deal with issues, or do we deal with this? Because sometimes we have to learn from the Word of God. And I, I've told you, the Word of God is so relevant right now, especially in our time. And I've also said to you, the Word of God cracks me up. Because some stories, especially in chapter 9 of, book, of the book of John, man, it is funny on what's going on. But let me show you what Jesus was talking about when he was totally out of character. You know, I don't know about you, but some people have bad days, right? And you don't want to be around that person. And you just go, ooh. You know how you just walk in the house? Ooh, I'm going to go out now. <laughs> be back tomorrow when you cool down. But this is what Jesus is saying. He sounds like he's having a bad day. Look at verse 49 on the screen. He goes, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized. And what stress I'm under, it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No. I'll tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two, two against three. They will all be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Ooh, kumbaya, Jesus. <laughs> you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Not right now. And so we look at this, and now some people read the scripture, and they think Jesus is on this really big kick of doing a violent revolutionary here. But I'm pretty sure that's a pretty stretch here. So this is what I think, and I wrote it down. Thank goodness the screen's working today. First of all, he's talking about his own approaching death. Jesus is saying that his crucifixion will be the source of division because his followers will be called to live in the same crucified way. We find our life by losing it. We gain the power of love by giving up the typical cohesive power of the world. Those who can't accept this crucified life of sacrificial love will be at odds with those who are willing to follow Jesus, even to the cross and dying to self in order to live a new life for the sake of others and this world. This way of the world is to personal attack. This way we see it over and over. We grow up doing this as little kids. And so in order to, to gain power, in order to keep power within the church or within a relationship or within our politics, we have to go over the personal attacks. We have to do the character assassination in order to keep power or gain power. And so Jesus' way, his way is to die to self so that we can love and serve. This is hard. 
Because he's calling us to love and serve. He's not calling us to engage in the world's power, but engage in the kingdom of God. And so these days, everyone admires Martin Luther King Jr. If you have not gone to the Museum of Tolerance, you have to go. The Museum of Tolerance is the most depressing museum on the planet, but it's the most eye-opening museum you've ever been to. And they have a whole section on Martin Luther King Jr. But if you read about the 50s and 60s, Martin Luther King Jr. was not popular then among evangelical white Christians. I mean, he's popular now, but he wasn't popular then because his message was opposite of what people in power want to hear. And so when we look at this, his nonviolent way to Jesus, nonviolent way of Jesus was to bring down the institutionalized of racism in this country. And so he was hated by a lot of Christians. But look on the screen. There is a difference here between the division Jesus brings and the division caused by personal attacks. The division Jesus brings happens when problems are attacked. That kind of division and conflict is often necessary to bring healing and reconciliation. On the other hand, the division we are experiencing in this country now is mostly caused by personal attacks. This kind of division does damage, which is destructive and close to impossible to heal. It really is. And so what happens, even as a pastor sometimes, that people have gone, had an issue with me. Can you believe it? That they had an issue with me. And they would go and, and <laughs> that's an egotistical statement. But when we moved from the issue and went personal, that's where we didn't deal with the issue. Because I've been called Pharisee. I've been called all kinds of names. I've been called the son of Satan in a letter to my boss. Watch, you want to see me levitate? I'll show you. <laughs> but the thing is, it just drives me crazy because the issue could have been dealt with. But when we make it personal, I'm holding on to the personal hurt. And I forgot about the issue. And you know, my fantasy is not going back to the issue. My fantasy is going to a personal hurt again, to hurt them. Hurt people hurt people, don't they? And so sometimes we take pride in going at it. And so when we have to be careful that we deal with the problem and not kill the person. In the ninth chapter of John, there's a story about this man that, <laughs> I love this story. It is so funny to me. This man was born blind. Okay, so if you have a disability that you were born with, you can c connect to this. So basically back in those days, <laughs> they, they looked at a blind person. There's two things they thought. He was blind because of sin in his life. I don't know, the poor child was born blind, so therefore somehow God was condemning this little infant child before he was alive with blindness. It doesn't make sense. Or the sin of the father. It's almost like us going to this and saying, how did that guy become homeless? Is he mentally incompetent or is he lazy? You see what I mean? We label we do personal attack, so therefore we don't have to get involved with the issue of homelessness or here with the issue of blindness. And so when we look at this, now follow me on, the, on, on John chapter 9. 
As he walked along, he saw this man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, that's what Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I don't know why they're picking on this guy, but he wasn't bothering anybody. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so God's work might be revealed to him. And so what Jesus dealt with, he dealt with, he shut his disciples up from prejudice and personal attacks. And what's interesting, Jesus dealt with the issue. See, personal attack with the disciples, they're, they're wanting to talk about it. Jesus dealt with the issue. This dude's blind and he needs healing. Let's get to the issue. Let's not get to the personal attacks on why he's blind. So when we attack people, look on the screen, personally, our basis for the attack is usually some sort of prejudice, right? It's almost like when white people say, well, black people just would listen to the cops. Or if they did do this. So there's a form, some form of prejudice here, which also is a sort of blindness in itself. Prejudice is blindness. And when we start with prejudice and personal attack, we cut up hope in finding a solution to the problem. Right? And so, but did you notice Jesus' response here? He neutralizes the prejudice. He neutralizes the, the personal attack. And he said neither caused him to sin. Neither did his sin or neither did his parents sin. If Jesus knew who sinned, it wasn't their sin. So Jesus immediately moves from the attacking problem, and so he takes dirt and his saliva, mixes it together, puts mud in his hands, puts it on the eyes of the person, the blind man, and deals with the issue, and heals it, solves it, deals with it. And now he can see. There's a spiritual blindness that a lot of us have through racism, prejudice, and through being a Republican or a Democrat. There is a blindness here. And so, therefore, Jesus healed from the blindness. And how Jesus healed them was very interesting. Because the Pharisees, the religious leaders of back this day, go, he didn't heal him. He could, he, he's lying. He wasn't even blind. Can you imagine that? If all of a sudden the Lord healed me from shaking, and then you guys go, he was making it up all the time. And I'm going, dude, I'm healed. No, you're lying. I would get frustrated. So this blind guy, who now sees, he's not blind anymore, was pulled into this interrogation. And he was questioned by the Pharisees and the religious leaders. This poor guy, I can see, and now the day I was healed, I'm getting interrogated. It doesn't make any sense to me. And so they interrogated him. Guess this. They even interrogated his parents. And his parents were very, if you read the scripture, were very uncomfortable in this whole situation. They go, dude, I, the kid was blind, now he sees. Like, I mean, I, I, that's all I can say. So then they brought the guy that was healed a second time in. And they started chewing him out again. Personal attacks. Poor guy. Watch this, verse 26. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already, you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they revived him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are the disciple of Moses. 
We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he came comes from. The man answered, here's the astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He, do, he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began, it has been heard that anyone has opened the eyes of a person that's been born blind. If this man were not from God, he would do nothing. Okay? He's fighting the blind guy. He's defending. I don't know what's going on. Now, watch the personal attack here. You were born entirely in sins, and you are trying to teach us, then they drove him out. Do you see that? Jesus dealt with the solution. He dealt with the issue. And this guy's trying, look, I have hope, I have life, and all this stuff. And they personally attacked him and destroyed him and kicked him out. So this is thousands of years ago, and it's still happening today. Through social media, through Twitter, through all this stuff that we see this going on. And so they drove him out. <laughs> no, I think this is worse, if you think about it. Because if your story was in the Bible, pretty much thousands of years people have been reading about you. But this is crazy here, where a man was standing right in front of them, who Jesus healed, and they don't want to change their minds, and they attack him personally. Because if it changed their minds, they would be wrong. They were determined to be right in their own minds, and so therefore the evidence was clear, but they didn't want to deal with it. They demonized them. Follow me on the screen. When we refuse to demonize people and instead serve them as Jesus did, those who are blinded by their own prejudice will turn against the truth and create a division which seeks to alienate and other people. We continue to attack fear and hate-driven problems with the grace and truth of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has come to us and healed our blindness. We were once blind and now we see. Grace is amazing when it is shared. Why would we want to return to the blindness of alienating, scapegoating, and attacking people? Now, it's very important here. Because instead of doing a prep talk here, I want to share a solution. How do we deal with the rest of this year? How do we go into next year? Back on the screen. The good news, and there is good news, is that Jesus loved and accepted us without condition, unconditionally. He gave himself freely on the cross to heal our sad division. That work is done. All we have to do is live in thankful response to how we've been accepted and passed what has already been given to us. So it's so easy to get fueled by personal attacks. And it's easy to get sucked in by the name calling. Let me tell you this. Because I have disabilities, the name calling was big when I was young. And how I dealt with it, I went to name calling. I was very good. You do a personal attack of a disability that I can't change about myself, I'm going, to, I'm going to just start from your head and go all the way to your feet. And I knew how to do it. I can make fun of people's foreheads. And they're going, I never thought of my forehead. You know, I, I would attack anything because it was a defense mechanism. You know, when you go in the ministry, you've got to stop that. You know that, right? 
Now, I, 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 I do a lot of joking about your clothes you wear. You know, when I have some of you say, hey, you know, um, so-and-so called and wants a shirt back. You, you know, those are fine, I guess. But when we get in these personal attacks, it gets crazy. Because what happens, look on the screen, we don't get sucked up in a deep black hole and lose your spiritual sight. Because we can focus on the personal attacks and we don't see the movement of God or the movement of what God wants to do around us. Because we're, we're so focused on our social media. We're so focused to get our anger fueled. Do you know anger and bitterness has to be fueled? Did you know that? It's interesting, when you want to let go of bitterness towards Democrats or, or Republicans or, or Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, that constantly needs to be fueled. And you will watch Fox News, you will watch CNN, you will watch something, whatever it is, that will feel that anger, that will feel that bitterness. If you take a break and focus on the Word of God, you realize it's not being filled anymore. Now, I'm just saying take a break. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying don't get involved politically. But don't make that your main focus right now. Make Christ your main focus and focus on the cross. On the screen, focus on how Jesus refuses to attack us personally, but instead attacked our collective sin problem on the cross. That's what Jesus attacked, our sin. That was the issue. I'm telling you, if I was Jesus, a whole, I would do all kinds of personal attacks. I wouldn't have dealt with the issues. But Jesus dealt with the issue. The issue was sin. And he died on the cross for you and me. Because of what? Love. No judgment. Only love. That's what's very important to do. Let me show you how we can do this. And I'm going to give you an example here. Uh, Jessica, I don't even think she's here yet. Uh, yet. <laughs> Some people come real late. Um, <laughs> Jessica just had surgery. And, uh, and so every once in a while, for about seven years, she's been coming over and we talk and we wash cars together. And uh, she just had surgery, and she's been isolated in her house for a while, and she goes, I can't wash it. And I go, why don't you just sit down and let me wash it, and let's talk. She talked about her friend here, and this is a picture of their engagement picture. And we didn't get into any political talks. We just talked about life. We talked about love. We talked about how we can live a life that we enjoy. Now, what's amazing she is probably the same age as Robin. And so Robin and Ryan had a beautiful wedding. They're having a baby. But she has stage four cancer now. She's less than 30 years old. And they stopped all kinds of chemo and everything. And she's scheduled to get married in November. It ain't going to happen. And so we were talking about this. There's a connection when you connect through talking to one another through grief through being open about life. And it's very fascinating to me that we get so angry, but we, we have this entitlement thinking rather than every day is a gift from God, use it wisely. And I remembered if I had her life, I would have been gone 27 years ago. But somehow God has given us grace and we're still here on earth and that we need to embrace that instead of getting angry at the world. 
Now, I want to give you some homework. Do you mind? It's kind of, <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to collect it, I promise, okay? I want to show the next slide. Do you guys know um, uh, Anderson Cooper and uh, uh, Steve Cooper? Cooper? Go on YouTube, Google them. It's a 27-year 27 27 interview, 27-minute interview. These two men have completely two different stories in their lives. But they have so much similarities. Anderson Cooper lost her, his mother about a couple months ago. Steve Colbert lost his mother in 19, 2003, 2013. Anderson Cooper lost his dad when he was 10. Steve Colbert lost his dad when he was 10. Anderson Cooper lost her brother, his brother to suicide. Steve Colbert lost two of his brothers and his dad at the same time when he was 10 years old. This interview is fascinating because it wasn't about anger, it wasn't about politics, it wasn't about anything. It was about emotionally connecting spiritually. Believe it or not, Steve Colbert is a strong, strong Christian. And he starts sharing his faith about suffering, about grief, and his outlook in life were brought Anderson Cooper to tears. And when you watch this, this is how human beings are meant to connect. Through their hurts, through their griefs, through their sorrow, not through their politics, not through the name calling or personal attacks. And you watch that. I was in tears watching the whole thing because I go, two human beings from completely two different lives connecting at a deep emotional level in front of millions of people watching this. And so I want to encourage you today. It focused on, on how Jesus refused to attack us personally, but instead attacks our collective sin problem on the cross. Don't go for the personal attacks. Man, every day is a gift from God. Use it wisely. May God bless you, and may God bless his word.